Welcome to the Scuffed Podcast. I'm Adam Bells in Minneapolis. With me is Greg Velasquez in Des Moines. We talk about U.S. men's soccer. Hello, good people of America. We have a Gold Cup roster, a dispiriting, friendly loss to Jamaica last night, and the U-20 World Cup, which is much more positive to discuss. Let's start with the Gold Cup roster announced this morning. Greg, why don't you take it away? Bells, do I have to? You must. (laughs) All right, you get the good stuff. You get the U-20 stuff, and I'm stuck with this this Gold Cup roster. Uh, I'm disappointed uh, in the Gold Cup roster. I'm not going to try to, like, pretend like I'm – enthusiastic about it um there are pieces to be enthusiastic about uh but overall i feel like this is this there's some there's some like uh omens there's some there's some like bad omens in the in the player selection well before yeah let's talk about those bad omens but before you do that why don't why don't we uh read off the roster you take goalkeepers i'll take defenders you take midfielders i'll take forwards okay so the goalkeepers are Zach Steffen, who is the prohibitive favorite to play every single competitive minute uh, of the Gold Cup. Sean Johnson, who I'm taking to be the number two. Uh, and Tyler Miller, who I think is going to be the third man in camp. The understudy. The under-understudy. Uh, defenders are Tyler Adams. Interesting that he's listed as a defender. Omar Gonzalez, now player for Toronto FC. Nick Lima, Aaron Long, Daniel Lovitz. And Matt Miazga. Oh yeah, and then Tim Ream, Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman. <laughs> Tim Ream, don't forget him. Tim Ream, Walker right. Zimmerman. Uh, the midfield, uh, and there are six listed midfielders. Um, so I'm assuming that essentially they're they're broken down by the the Will Trap Michael Bradley role. Uh, and again, notable there is that. In the 40-man provisional roster, there were literally zero backups for those players chosen. So nobody in camp got to come in and really compete with Michael Bradley and Will Trapp for that position, uh, which, again, I think is notable given uh, what we'll talk about later, which is the performances against Jamaica. Uh, and then the two sort of 8-slash-10 roles, uh, there are four players for that. It's Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, uh, Dwayne Holmes— which is like the ding, ding, ding. Uh, like one thing to be excited about. Uh, Christian rolled on. Okay. And then at forward, we have Josie Altador, Paul Ariola, obviously a winger slash wing back slash fullback. Uh, Tyler Boyd, the, the new guy, the New Zealand um, dual national, New Zealand American dual national, who just made his one-time switch. Uh, Jonathan Lewis. The Colorado Rapids, um, sort of a Berhalter favorite, Jordan Morris, and Giazzi Zardes. Notably not on that list is Joshua Sargent. That's notable. It's notable because why? Why is it notable? Uh, it's notable because uh, in my in my uh, personal opinion, like Giazzi Zardes is extremely limited uh, as a forward. I don't. I don't know what value he adds to the system. He's he started what four out of five of Greg Berhalter's games so far, uh, and to my eye, hasn't shown anything new or above what he would what he's shown in any prior national team appearance. So it's not as though this system has somehow unlocked Giazzi Zardes' dangerous attacker. Uh, he's very much still been the 
hardworking, unspectacular, non-dangerous forward that I feel like he has always been. And yet he's on track for 50 caps over the next two years. <laughs> uh, it's Yeah, man, it's disappointing. And, you know, we kind of touched on this in, the, in our uh, the last pod I was on, which was that there are just a few roster changes that would have that could have made this a really exciting uh, group of 23. Uh, alas. Yeah, we did, we're not going to get Jonathan Amon, which is, you know, maybe we'll just sort of talk about this roster in context of the Jamaica friendly last night, because that's the... Oftentimes going to be what sort of comes up, but Eamon wasn't Eamon wasn't too sharp last night. Would Would you agree? Uh, here's what I'll say because because the game overall was so poor, uh, and I feel like the the biggest reason it was so poor was uh, a handful of really poor individual performances, which sort of didn't allow anyone else to do anything that could have been considered good. Like we never were getting to the point where uh, other players could look good because there were breakdowns every second or third pass in key areas. So no matter what, Eamon, I don't think there was any way Eamon, I don't remember any big mistakes Eamon had, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, he took his guy on a couple times and didn't get by him, lost the ball, but, you know, that's going to happen every now and then for a winger. Yes, I mean, so for those of you not following this stuff closely, which you can totally be forgiven for not, (laughs) uh, we lost to Jamaica 1-0 last night with a highly experimental lineup, it doesn't appear that the roster was at all affected by what happened last night. Does it? I mean, I don't know. So, so do you mind if I kind of go on a little bit of like a, what's led to this point? Yeah, please do. Please do. So we, we got the 40 man provisional roster, which we kind of discussed in a pod, knowing that uh, that wasn't a lot of information because uh, there were a lot of like obscure names on that 40 man. Um, they, they went on to have a combined camp. I, I honestly thought the buildup to this was a really positive, uh, sign from Greg Berhalter, uh, in that he had kind of a confusing conveyor belt of pre gold cup camps yeah. and camp rosters. Uh, and I thought that was, I thought that was a really good way to bring in new faces. So you, in that first camp, like two weeks ago, you brought in like Holmes and Amon and Jow and Sergeant, uh, Anthony Robinson um, sort of these guys very new to Greg Berhalter so that they would have a week to get up to speed on the system. Uh, and then they, you filled in that camp with a bunch of sort of just available U23 bodies who weren't really in the, in demand for their clubs or are in their off season. So again, I think that's a really good use of a week. Yeah. Uh, then the next week you send all those U23 bodies home, uh, and you keep your sort of top choices, uh, for the gold cup and bring in the rest of sort of the gold cup players who are familiar with the system, gold cup candidates, I should say. Uh, and now you have a camp where you can actually concentrate on the soccer you're going to play with more or less the group that you're going to be choosing from. Again, I think that's a really good use of a week of, uh, camp. Yeah. All of this leads up to this Jamaica game, which again, I think is, everyone was really upset with their roster choices. And I feel like I was, I was kind of fine with it. the the lineup selection for this game uh because you thought it was a it was a sort of a tryout for the bottom three four right. spots on the roster yeah i'm totally fine with using this game as that as that audition uh what kind of doesn't make sense to me is that like you said the performances don't necessarily then didn't end up meaning anything yeah well i guess 
so the the reason Berhalter gave that Sargent wasn't included in the final twenty three was that Sebastian Legette uh, took a knock or he's injured somehow, so he's going to miss the Gold Cup, and that sort of sealed Sargent's fate because um, Legette was able to cover both uh, mid midfield depth and wing depth, and if you don't have that versatility, then you have to apparently you have to bring and you know two players to to take the place of Legette and that that means you can't bring three uh true number 9s and Sargent is third on the depth chart behind Altidore and Zardes in Berhalter's mind so Sargent gets to have a little bit of a vacation before Werder Bremen camp starts <laughs> and and so logistically I kind of get that and I think I'd even discuss that again in our in our initial reaction to the 40 man when we kind of projected a uh, went way out on limbs and projected what the 23 would look like. Um, I had sort of that that idea, but my idea was that it was going to be Holmes who would be able to back up your attacking mid and wingers, which gave you the freedom because I was I was sure that he would take three strikers because Josie Altidore has uh, a long history of injury issues at this point, and it seems wild to take two strikers if one of them is Josie Altidore. Yeah, man, he's going to pull his hammy in that first game. Against, or he'll probably pull his hammy against Venezuela in the friendly. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's score it's, goal the first it's four minutes, and then he'll and then I'll get hurt. Right, it's a little mean, and it's it's kind of funny, but it's also true. He's like he has a he has a very consistent record of, including at a World Cup, of not um, being able to make it through a tournament for physical reasons. <sighs> oh, brother! Yeah, yeah. Like you have to be prepared for that contingency. Uh, and we are very not prepared now for that contingency at, at, because I guess we have to have four wingers or we have to, and we have to have four uh, central midfielders, even though, again, Christian Pulisic, a very versatile player who's actually sort of playing out of position uh, as a 10, is an option on the wing, as is Dwayne Holmes. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I guess Jordan Morris becomes your, your hybrid winger slash forward option, but. Uh, no, it, it it doesn't scan to me. Like uh, you bring in Holmes and you have these other options. Uh, so leaving Sergeant at home as a third forward already doesn't make sense to me. And then what doesn't make sense is saying that Zardes is ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like my outrage my outrage levels are are at an all time low with this stuff. I I I, th- I think everything you're saying makes sense, and I it. It doesn't make sense that Sargent isn't on the roster. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, if he's not going to be on the Gold Cup roster, he should have been on the U-20 World Cup roster. And I get that too, sort of in the abstract. But I, I guess just on an emotional level, there's a couple things that that make me less just outraged. One, Sargent hasn't looked good for six months. Like he hasn't looked sharp. He didn't look sharp for Werder Bremen before he fell out of favor there this spring. And... You know, I mean, he he fought he fought the good fight last night, but he I don't think anybody would say he was a game changing number nine. Granted, the game was not, you know, like you said, the team the team was bad all the way around. So how's a number nine going to look great in that system when nobody else is clicking? I get all that, but like he just hasn't he hasn't been the transcendent Josh Sargent that I thought he might be by this time. So. I guess whatever, you know, is kind of my thought on it. And, and when it comes to the U-20 World Cup, I'm happy to see Sebastian Soto get his chance. You know, I'm a Sebastian Soto fan. I know he's not rated as highly as Sargent by a lot of people, and I think that's fair too. But 
I'm happy he's getting his chance. I'm happy he's getting a chance to shine, scores a brace against France to put us through to the quarterfinals. I think that's great. So I'm not mourning Sargent's absence there either. Is there something I'm missing where I should be more upset? I mean, yes, the <laughs> the quality gap that ex- now exists in the senior team at the at the forward position. Uh, and yeah. Berhalter actually, you know, full credit to him. He was very explicit. Uh, he kind of he kind of hodgepodge a bit about getting Sargent his preseason with Roder Bremen, I think. Um, but at some point, he very explicitly said, "We have Altador and Zardes ahead of Sargent." Uh, yeah, he did and, say and that. again. I just think it's insanity. I think that that statement is insanity. And this has nothing to do with like uh, the potential that Sargent has. I, I truly believe Sargent has a lot of potential to improve where he is uh, from where he is now. If Sargent doesn't get any better at soccer, he is already a much better forward than Giazzi Zardes in basically every aspect of the game. Uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to crowdsource this one because I don't think I have them anymore. You probably have most of them. Uh, I'm gonna want a catalog of every like uh, time Josh Sargent has been dangerous in the past 16 months for the U.S. national team, and then I'm gonna want a catalog of every time Giazzi Zardes has been uh, dangerous for the U.S. national team. Like it's it, Zardes for me has the one moment against Chile where he accidentally takes a first touch into some space and then frees Pulisic for the goal. As far as I can tell, that is his lone key contribution to the U.S. attack uh, over the last year and a half. Yeah. I can't think of Sar- anything else either. Sargent has more has more sequences than that in like his 10-minute cameo in a friendly in last March. Like there's just it's not even it's not even a contest of who brings more to the position uh, between those two. And you can say that Sargent hasn't impressed with Werder Bremen in the last six months, which is completely true. But all of those dangerous moments Sargent had in the U.S. shirt prior to that came when he had zero minutes for Werder Bremen. So it's not as though the there needs to be that correlation between his club performance and the national team. We've sort of handcuffed ourselves for this Gold Cup tournament by leaving Sargent off in favor of Jazzy Zardes. All right. Well, I'm a little outraged now. Let's give <laughs> let's give let's give Burhalter an L on that. How many L's does he have already in this podcast? He's got that's definitely one. Any other ones? I'm gonna say not even naming a backup to Bradley and Trap uh, is an L. Like again, just guaranteeing those two their spots. Um, performances be damned. Uh, I gotta I've got to say that's an L. Like, all right, the L's are gonna start piling up here. <laughs> Because in addition to not even naming a backup to Bradley and Trap, he's building the whole gosh dang roster around them uh, because he's because of this because of this inverted fullback uh, left center back left back nonsense, which I've been patient with, man. I've been patient with this stuff. And I th- and I, maybe I should keep being patient, but it just seems it seems like he's overcomplicating things. Why why don't we just put our best players on the field in their best positions and play play the game of soccer? We, we why are we messing why are we messing around with Adams at right back? I know people other people have been saying this for a long time and I've I've been like, "All right, let's just see how it goes." But I am starting to be like, "What? Why are we doing this? Why why do we need to have a left center back who can also play left back? Why can't we just have two a right back and a left back?" Adams at the six, 
get rid of this like this commitment to soft, quote unquote, ball playing central midfielders. And you're there. You're referring specifically to Will Trapp and Michael Bradley. Yeah. And just and just have like a midfield that you just throw it all out. Do a tab Ramos four three three and 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 go with that. You, you could put together and then coach within that, and then yeah. coach within that. Right. It's not like you just have to throw all tactics and coaching and and details. Uh, into the bin like you can coach within that four three three for your principles and your systems um yeah we were talking about I, this we were talking about this on the group chat and um and like here's a here's a lineup i could come up with f- for a four three three from this roster you have altador at the nine pulisic and boyd at the wings i don't know who's on which side doesn't really matter to me uh Dwayne holmes who was the best player on the field for the u.s last night right um, within within forty seconds of of coming on, like just blew everybody all the other all other central midfielders for the U.S. out of the water, and then so, which which I'll intercede right now and say, and Holmes didn't do anything special. He didn't have to do anything special to earn that title. He was basically competent. Yeah, he's he had a little <laughs> he, he had a little bit of he aggression. Towered. Yeah. yeah, and he towered over his competition internally. Yeah. So you got so you got Pulisic and Boyd on the wings, Holmes and McKenney as the dual eights, Adams as the six behind them, Lovitz and Lima at fullback, Lovitz at, on the left, Lima at right back. Neither of them, you know, look, neither of them is uh is uh gonna be playing in Champions League ever, but they're who we got. And then Long and Miazga at center back and Zach Steffen behind him. That team breezes to the final of the Gold Cup, in my opinion. And and looks pretty good doing it. But no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do. We're going to have all these moving parts. We're going to have wingers that have to, I don't know, a, a right winger who has to cover, a left back who has to be a center back, uh, a left wing who just stands on the touch. I don't know, man. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm less outraged about the about the uh, Burhalter system than you in this case. So we've basically flip flopped here, and I'm like, I'm totally, I'm still for the most part fine with this Adams experiment. Uh, I think that our People were complaining about four central midfielders yesterday, and it's like, okay, but he's been running four central midfielders every game. I mean, it's just been uh, either Adams or Lima stepping in as that four center mid. I, I'm fine with the experiment. I totally agree with you that your lineup would cruise to the final. I still think Burhalter's lineup in this setup is going to cruise to the final because our top six are much better than anyone else's uh, top six, save Mexico. Uh, maybe that's arrogant, but I don't think that a Pulisic, McKenney. Adams, Altador level talent exists on any of the teams we're going to play against. Certainly not in the group stage. Uh, and I don't think we'll see anyone that good in the knockout rounds either. Yeah. Okay. So who are your top six? I mean, Adams, McKenney, Pulisic, who else? Altador. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm, and then I'm going to go with like, uh, I'm still going to say our, two of our center backs who aren't named Omar Gonzalez will be in the top six. Okay. All right. And that I'm can... hopeful that I'm hopeful that Boyd's good, uh, but we don't really know, right? We don't really know if Boyd's good. We don't really know how good Holmes is. Uh, he just he just showed up better than better than Roldan and Georgie. Yeah, I've I've been a fan of Holmes for a while now, and I mean, I guess not a while, not as long as some people, but for a few months, and sometimes getting resistance to that. But I think he's I think he's good enough to be in the, in the starting line. He's better than Christian Roldan. He's better than Will Trapp. Obviously, it's a different position than what Will Trapp plays. But okay, so that's that's your top six. Will Trapp. Yeah. <laughs> but is he a six? 
Is he a six? Is he is he like a deep deep lying Cesc Fabregas like prodigy? Because he's not. He's neither of those things. But we're just carrying him. Yeah, he's. And I know you know some people think Bradley's tougher than Trap in the tackle, which maybe marginally at this point, but I don't think they're that different of players from each other right now. So I don't think either of them makes sense to start for right. a national and, and team. I know we're all over the place, and I, and I feel like I promised this after the Chile game, but I really have actually gone through now and cut out like the Michael Bradley clips against Chile that bothered me. Uh, and in the week leading up to these Gold Cup uh, group stage games, I am going to have to like do some kind of a do some kind of video threads on, on some of these guys who I think don't belong. Uh, my issue with Michael Bradley is that he, I don't, I don't mind the sort of Michael Bradley trot that everyone has a problem with. Like 95% of the time, Bradley is doing very good in the vicinity defending mm. just by being in the vicinity. What I think Bradley doesn't offer is the urgent defending once we have been penetrated. Uh, and I don't think Will Trapp can give us that either. Obviously the, the name that gives us that in better than like anybody else in the world uh, is Tyler Adams, but Michael Bradley's urgency to clog the middle and uh, anticipate where he'll be needed at the top of the box or in the penalty area to uh, snuff out danger uh, was almost non-existing against Chile. Yeah, and and Adams is for for that particular quality. Adams is like top twenty five in the world right now. Oh, yeah. easy. Yeah. For in my mind, I mean, I haven't I haven't scouted everybody in the world, but when when you would post videos of Tyler Adams, even in his Red Bulls days, like that's what stood out the most to me was how early on he would recognize the potential for danger and clog the area where it could occur. Not like react to it once it started to develop. Like he was already there, and the danger just never could develop. Yeah, and. And, you know, the argument is he'll, he'll be able to do some of that from his uh, newfangled right-back uh, central midfield hybrid position. But, um, I don't know, it just seems like an unnecessary tinker. <laughs> it's an unnecessary tinker with the goal of preserving a spot for Bradley and Trap. And, I don't know, it just that I'm souring on that. I'm souring. Uh, well, I, I'm willing to give Bradley and Trap both like uh, another try at the another six. try. Well, you got to give them a try with uh, with Adams next to him because that will change how good they they won't have to do nearly as much uh, of that kind of thing with a Tyler Adams next to him. Just the same way in the U20s, we can use an example. Uh, you know, certain midfielders can get away with things on the field and become useful so long as they have a complementing piece next to them. I'm talking specifically about like a Mendez and a Pomacall. Uh, you you take Pomacall out of that situation and suddenly Mendez sort of can can fall off a cliff as far as effectiveness. So Bradley and Trap might end up looking super effective next to Adams, uh, and that could, in my mind, vindicate the decision. Bradley or Trap Trap yesterday next to a Jackson Ewell and vice versa, Jackson Ewell next to a Will Trap, uh, they aren't going to be. Neither of them is going to be nearly as effective, and they will both be liabilities in many cases. Yeah. That's that's uh that's one other point I wanted to make uh related to that. It's just just the athleticism gap between us and Jamaica in the midfield yesterday. They they were it was it was men against boys. It was uh and it's it feels like it's going to be that way every time we have Will Trap out there against uh, an international opponent. 
and Bradley to some extent as well. I just want us to I just want us to go out there and put some athletes with some aggression who can play soccer, who are playing soccer at a high level, Wes McKinney, Tyler Adams, Dwayne Holmes. You know, you, people can crap on the, the English championship all they want. It's better than MLS. It's better than MLS. And uh, and then just let, like turn them loose, you know? Let's see what happens. It can't be worse. It can't be worse <laughs> than what we've been seeing. Anyway, it can't be worse than yesterday. I know, I know. We I like uh, we're again. We're I'm kind of scattered here with uh, with what we just saw and combining that with the disappointment of the Gold Cup release, the roster release. For me, I'm disappointed in it. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like most I, people who aren't in Omar Gonzalez's immediate family are disappointed with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I came into the I came started recording this feeling pretty sanguine, but now I'm now my blood is boiling. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Greg. Um, I know. Uh, anything else to say we, about the game last night, or what were you going to say? No, no, no. Let's. Yeah, we can we can uh, go through a little bit of the game. So again, Burhalter's kind of being. Uh, what would the word be? Bells. Pilloried. Pilloried. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, small joys. Okay, so Burhalter is <laughs> very much being pilloried. Uh, for his roster or for his tactics. Again, I don't think the tactics were necessarily the issue. I felt like guys were getting the ball and, and full credit here to Fox's uh, new approach to uh, filming soccer games where they are much higher up uh, on the camera angle. We could see guys receive the ball with plenty of space and plenty of options uh, to play, even like to continue to play dangerous passes. And guys just were not doing that. Uh, Chief among them, Georgie Mihailovic, who had just a, a bit of a, a shocker. And I don't, I don't really care that much. The kid's 20. Uh, it might mean he's not ready. But that, that sort of knock-on effect, if we're going to play this possession game where we're going to move the ball from guy to guy to guy, means that in every possession, like Georgie should be a part of it. And if it breaks down every time it gets to him, then Josh Sargent is going to have nothing to do. Uh, the yeah. other guy who I thought really stuck out as having a, a shocking showing was Anthony Robinson. Yeah. And and it wasn't like he wasn't he wasn't invisible. He was very much visible where he was getting the ball. And I thought very good attacking spaces um, and just completely letting himself down with uh, decision making, with touch. Uh, and you could say he was being played out of position. But I also kind of don't buy that because Anthony Robinson's strength as a f- traditional fullback is his ability to get forward. So Burhalter was just like, all right, well, let's just dispense with his defending altogether, put him in these advanced positions to begin with and let him uh, attack. So unless you think that Anthony Robinson is only effective attacking when he already has like a full runway of sideline to, to initiate his attacks, uh, he didn't show any, any ability to be dangerous once he got the ball in advanced positions. Yeah. Gave the ball away a lot. Didn't look comfortable. He's not on the roster either. So kind of, you know, yeah, Georgie, Georgie and Anthony, are definitely two guys who did play themselves out of contention, which again is fine. They're 20 and what, 21 years old. Uh, this isn't their last crack at, at making a U.S. national team roster. Yeah, and Berhalter is very clear about that. He, he said a lot of times, just because you don't make this roster, there's, no, there's nothing preventing you from making the next one or you know the one after that. So, you know, that's good. Any, I mean, anything else to say about the game? Holmes Holmes was clearly, I know we mentioned this, but Holmes was clearly the best American on the night. And it was it was his 
In my opinion, it was his little bit of aggression, his little bit of composure, and his athleticism, like his ability to step, you know, to drive past somebody if he needs to, to hold the ball, to 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 hold the ball up if he needs to. And then he had that really nice first touch on that ball uh, on the back post, took a nice first touch and then pulled it back for Josh Sargent. Sargent didn't, wasn't able to get it on frame, but you don't care about that, right? No, I don't. Uh, I, I mean, that's a, that's a bang, bang. Sargent gets to the ball. He's, he, he made the right move. He made the right attempt to get to it. It may have deflected off a defender and gone out. Uh, in any event, very, very good from Holmes. Uh, in, a, in my mind, good good attacking play from Josh Sargent. Uh, Didn't Holmes also I, I, pull one back from Mihailovic too? Um, that Mihailovic scuffed. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to check that one again. I want I want a I want like an all touches compilation from Mihailovic, Roldan, and Ariola, and and throw Robinson in there too. Sort of the front four playing underneath Sargent. Uh, as a way of defending Josh Sargent in that game because it was horrendous. It was atrocious from those four. I'm, I'm throwing Ariola and, and rolled on in that too. There were big stretches of that game where we couldn't connect basic passes. You know, Ariola rolled on the whole kit and caboodle. I don't really yeah, want. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. There. <laughs> I, I don't either. But but just to say that again, the bar was so low that Holmes looked was a breath of fresh air just by having his passes actually hit their target and not roll to the goalkeeper out of bounds. Like that was enough to make him a, a lock for the Gold Cup roster, and that's that's a rough that's a rough situation to be in for a national team program. Yeah, yeah, it is. Which which kind of brings us to our next segment. Unless you have anything else on the roster or the Jamaica friendly. I don't want to cut that short. If you got, if you got stuff, I mean, I mean, Omar coming, like we got Omar coming. No, how about this? Let's, let's really quickly, just so I'm not a complete Debbie downer, even though I'm a lot Debbie downer. Uh, let's, let's run through what we are actually excited about for this gold cup roster. Okay. Can we um, do that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well. I'm excited to see healthy Wes McKenney, Christian Pulisic, and uh, Tyler Adams on the field together. Uh, it's, uh, Walker Zimmerman's been playing well for LAFC. You know, the best team in Major League Soccer. I'm excited to see him. Hopefully, hopefully. Uh, yeah, Matt Miazga. You know, I'm always I'm always sort of favor favorably disposed toward him, and. Uh, yeah, a healthy Josie Altador as well is something to that's, that's, celebrate. That's the big one I'm excited about. I, I feel like there's going to be a world of difference uh, in our ability to attack just by having a a more competent all-around forward. Mm-hmm. Ah, Tyler forgot, Boyd. I forgot to mention Boyd, yeah. he's Yeah, excited to see Tyler Boyd. Uh, another guy who I'm actually excited about who I feel like is, is sort of uh, brushed aside is Jonathan Lewis. Like I feel like he kind of gets lumped into like this MLS, uh, like Corey Baird, Paul Ariola camp, but I feel like he's a much different winger than those guys. Like he's a truly dangerous winger, which is all I want. I just want dangerous wingers uh, rather than workman-like wingers. And Lewis seems to fit the dangerous winger category. Yeah, I worry though that it's going to be Ariola because of that because of the defensive responsibilities that may be. Uh, demanded of our wingers, but but you know, 
surely, oh, I totally think so. I surely, totally think so. surely Boyd and Lewis will get some minutes here or there. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Lewis will get his 20 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game, and I'm I'm plenty happy to see. Uh, how old's Lewis? 21. I think so. He might be a little older, but not by much. Okay. So I'm excited to see a dangerous 21-year-old winger coming in and, and pl- getting 15 minutes to run at a CONCACAF defense. Yeah. He had a, Lewis had a nice hit last weekend on a one-time uh, strike for the Colorado Rapids. He s- seems to be settling in there. I I still think – anything else you're excited about? That that probably is about it. I'm excited. I'm excited to see whether Berhalter will adjust if it's a if it's a shambles and do the do the right thing and get Pulisic wide and Adams into the middle. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's still early in the Berhalter era. Um. The the overarching thing. The, this is a point I've made before, both on Twitter and on this podcast. But the the big picture thing for me is just that. The player pool isn't very good. There's there are we've got McKenney, Pulisic, and Adams as sort of legit blue chip American soccer players. And I mean there may be a couple in there, a couple others in there. Some people would say Altador is up there too. Matt Miazga. But beyond the like first six or seven or eight or nine, wherever you make the cutoff, it's just it's just a lukewarm soup of names and and skill sets and it's just not it's just it's not good enough you know it's it's nothing to be excited about and and we need new blood we need we need we don't need two or three u20s to hit we need six u20s to hit and i think maybe we will get that given how given how weak the current player pool is for the senior men's national team and how how many exciting nobody's a can't miss prospect except for maybe Chris Richards <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's there are so many potentially exciting prospects in this U20 squad that uh, that maybe we will get 6 or 7 to hit in this sort of this time of transition in American soccer men's American soccer all right can we play this game bells do we have time to play this game how Name uh, let's name the players on the Gold Cup roster who are behind at least one U twenty player right now, like in your mind. Mm. <laughs> Do we can we play this game or should we scratch it and uh, save it for later? I mean, it's tough because people can always say, "Oh, well, he hasn't played any first team minutes." There's no Don't way care. you can you, put him behind you make, him. You make your call. You make your call, and I feel like we should be able to use the evidence we have on the field uh, from yesterday. To decide. <laughs> look, sample, man, sample look, man. Sample size of one game against Jamaica. Like, f- fitness aside, I think Richie Ledesma is already a better player than Georgie Mihailovic. Um, no, Mihailovic isn't on this roster, so that doesn't count, right? He's, yeah, I, so you've I, I, I I got to compare put, him to Roldan. I mean, Roldan, it's hard, right? Is Do you think Ledesma's ahead of Roldan? Uh, I actually don't know if we can even make that comparison because Roldan's going to be in like a, a more of a more of a Paxton Pomacall role. So how about that? Is Roldan ahead of Paxton Pomacall? No, I would put Pomacall ahead of Roldan. Yeah. Um, I would... How about this? <laughs> to get Ledesma into the mix, uh, is Ledesma would Ledesma be good enough that we should push Pulisic out wide and scratch Jordan Morris from the lineup from the roster? If Ledesma were were ninety minutes fit, yes. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's put Morris on the behind the U20 list. Um, Morris and Roldan. Yeah, I think Morris is behind Tim Weah as a winger as well. Oh, there you go. I completely forgot Tim Weah. I think I think uh, I think Ariola does offer more defensively, probably than Weah, but not that much more. I would put Ariola behind Weah too. Jonathan Lewis. I I would I would rather have Ulianes than Jonathan Lewis. There you go. I'd have Wea or I would have Wea for sure over Lewis and potentially uh, Ulianes over Lewis as well. I mean, I don't really know those two. It's tough to make any real comparison, uh, but we have plenty of information on Tim Wea. Yeah, and we know and we can see what Tim Wea looks com- like compared to Giannis. I mean, um, Jazzy's artist, right? really different players. Jazzy's artist. I- <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that far between him and Sebastian Soto. Well, Burhalter must think so because I would just say Josh Sargent's my easy U twenty over over yeah. Zardes, but uh, give me Tim Wyatt striker over Zardes. Give me give me um, Chris Richards over Omar Gonzalez. <laughs> Richards over Omar. Uh, is that it? Do uh, we, no, I we, take. I, I think I say Sir. Go ahead. I think I'd take Gloucester over Lovitz <laughs> and Dest over and Dest over Lima. Uh, would right, I? I, I don't know. Serginio Dest probably comes in ahead. I like you know people are gonna people are gonna drag us for this because they're gonna say we're we're just being ridiculous and there are a lot of U uh, twenty cold waterists out there. Yeah, but the guys we just named. Well, you you called Giannis, but. The guys we're, we're, we're naming, uh, Serginio Dest is playing professional soccer. I get that it's the, the Dutch second division, uh, but he's at least playing against men. Uh, mm-hmm. Wea has played against men. Wea has played against men in the national team shirt. Um, Pomacall is playing against men in MLS. Like, uh, I guess Ledesma is the one reach, but man, does Ledesma have skill sets that clearly were not on display uh, from from the Roldans and Georgies of the world. Yeah, man, get Ledesma fit, and he's get Ledesma fit for ninety minutes, and he's like, he's waltzing it, he's waltzing into that lineup last night, and 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 we win that game. I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not scared to say that. He's a he's a difference maker. You could see that in the first thirty minutes against France, the best U twenty side in the world. <laughs> right. If only we could just talk about that game nonstop for the next month. Okay, we, so we should so talk that was about a fun it. game to play. That was a fun game to play. But let's yeah, let's get back to the U twenty. Let's go full bore now on the U twenties and all of the good stuff. Yeah, you we think should six are gonna hit. Yeah, I do. I think. I mean, I hope six will hit, and and I think it's possible. It could be more than that. It could also possible. It could be less than that. Um, we should talk about the France match a little bit because we had Franco Panizo on the podcast, and he was um, uh, measured. In his praise, you might say, of the US U twenties. And I, f- I feel like we probably didn't do a do um a good service to the to the win. I mean it was a historic win. It was probably the greatest win in US youth national team history. And um I wonder what you what your takeaway was from it, Greg. I know you watched the game. Uh I was I was really happy with it and I feel like um you know, Franco is describing what he would require for it to be a good performance. And in my mind, like, 
what he was describing like barely exists in in World Cup knockout play. Like you don't get you don't get World Cup knockout games for the most part outside of like Spain's era of dominance. And even then, uh, I'd say it doesn't always look like that. Where one team is just going to completely outplay the other. I don't think it's reasonable to expect the U.S. to just completely dominate the game against France. Uh, I don't think it's reasonable to expect them to dominate the next game against Ecuador. And if that's your if that's your bar for calling it a great performance, then I don't think you'll ever get it. Like think about World Cup knockout games, even for the senior teams. Uh, who, who just goes outside of Germany against Brazil in 2014? Who just completely outclasses their opponent? Yeah, it doesn't happen. I mean, it doesn't happen. Yeah, you fight and claw and scratch for everything, and trust that if you can stick to to the bones of your game plan, uh, that at the end of 90 minutes you'll come out ahead. But there's a reason that so many of those games are scrappy and cagey and end in one zero wins, even for the, you know, nominally much better team. Yeah. Yeah, you know, one thing I wish I had said, which I didn't say in that podcast, is yes, France had more of the possession, but no, they did not have more danger. They did not create more danger than us. I mean, you could argue it was about even, but I would even shade towards the U.S. creating more clear-cut chances than France, despite not having much of the ball, particularly in the first half. The the France chances came on sloppiness from the US I would say almost exclusively there was one time where they where they built it built it around to the right side looped a ball over the top uh to the back post it got headed back and then worked to uh Cuisance for the shot off the post but other than that both their goals came on sort of counterattacks where we had people out of position um their two chances before uh, Soto scored the opener came on on giveaways in our in our defensive third that led to like swift counter you know I don't even know if you call that a counterattack just swift transitions that we weren't quite prepared for so France wasn't France wasn't just running us off the park and then also creating chances from it France was Yeah 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 I would say like there was there was never a time where it was like oh my god Chris Richards is standing on his head or oh god uh, Brady Scott is having a Tim Howard versus Belgium like performance here to keep us in the game like it was nothing like that yeah, it wasn't, and and to and to be frank, I thought I thought we were the team with more teeth in the attack. Um, Ledesma could have had one very early on a on a moment of transition after Wea poked the ball away. Then of course we had that beautiful Ledesma Soto connection for the second for the for the first goal. And then when the subs Wea came got out, in once too. Wea, Wea was Wea got like clean in, and it took a desperation like a sliding challenge from behind from France to poke it out of bounds for a corner. That's right. That's right. That was it. That was as good a ch- that was basically as good a chance as uh, almost as good a chance as Soto's goal. Yeah, yeah. Wea was Wea was playing with a chip on his shoulder. So we don't need to break down all the goals and everything, but I but I do feel like that was. Uh, it was a it was a good performance and a, to go with a huge result. That's my that's my stance on it. Yeah, I will take that. I'll take that performance. I think we can control more of the ball against Ecuador, but I don't think that's a prerequisite for calling it a good performance. I think it's okay to say we will cede certain uh, areas of the field and certain uh, amounts of possession and pressure uh, in order to. Pre- you know, protect other areas more, more closely. And then we'll count on our ability to either break. Like there's nothing wrong with having a plan that includes creating chances on the counterattack. Some people talk about sort of a 
dirty word, like, oh, they, all our chances were on counters. It's like, okay, that's that's good game planning at times to have that in your repertoire. Uh, yeah, I just I, uh, we it was kind of undersold how well the U.S. sort of played their game. Yeah. Yep. I guess we're in agreement on that. Um, <laughs> so coming up next on Saturday is uh, is Ecuador, the South American champions. I have to admit to to all the listeners that I haven't been able to watch in detail any of Ecuador's games, so I don't I don't have like a great uh, level of insight on on that team. But just based on what I read, they're going to be they are going to give us a little bit more of the ball. They're going to allow us to keep a little bit more of the ball, and they have a, a really good number nine. They have some dangerous wingers, and they have a strong athletic midfield. So. I don't know what that means for us necessarily, except I'd like to see Brandon Cervania start at the six again because just because he covers more ground. I said that on Twitter, so everybody who listens to this is probably going to know my position on that already. Do you have any? Do you have any sort of prescriptions for the for the game on Saturday? Uh, my prescription, and this is, I, I, yeah, I think if we start Chris Durkin, we we won't win the game, uh, which is which is tough to put just on Chris Durkin, but it's kind of the same thing as like the trap Bradley where Durkin isn't enough of a six to give cover to the center backs. Uh, and he's not, he's not athletic enough and he's not a good enough passer to justify, uh, including that building that vulnerability into your team. Uh, I think it's gotta be Cervania and then Pomacall and then one of Ledesma or Mendez. Uh, and if we do that, I think that we will, we will be able to control the game and we will be able to generate chances. Uh, and then it's going to kind of come down to uh, the soccer gods. Uh, when that becomes enough. Yeah. It'll come down to which way the cookie crumbles, really who finishes. Their yeah. Chances. Then we're just at sample size. Yeah. Okay. Well, that game's at 1030 central time on Saturday morning, 1130 Eastern. So check it out. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna record with Matt Doyle after the game. Matt Doyle, the infamous MLS analyst. Um, is he infamous? Yeah. Is there a more polar? Is there a more polarizing? Is there a more polarizing figure? Um, Probably not. Only because of Lexi Lawless. There's only one poll with Lexi Lawless. <laughs> yeah. No. Doyle is graciously agreed to come on. He's, um, he's good at talking about this stuff. I think there's no question about that. Um, and he's a good friend of the pod. So Greg, anything else we should mention or discuss? We good? Uh, I think we're good on, on all the men's sides. Uh, obviously the women's, uh, group stage kicks off or the June 11th for the U S women, the women's world cup kicks off tomorrow, June 7th. Um, but the U S women, have their first group stage game uh, against Thailand on June 11th. Um, That's I don't think we Tuesday. need to go into any detail because that, yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to really go into too much detail because the women's sort of lineup has been set for the last uh, 12 months. Uh, I think I feel comfortable knowing what to expect from them and I feel pretty comfortable about them comfortably navigating the group stage. Yeah. Still the favorites, still the favorites. Uh, Godspeed to the women. And um, Godspeed to Greg Burhalter as well. Oh, and Godspeed to you, Greg. You got the, the quarterfinals of the Iowa State Girls Championship this afternoon. 
right. We hadn't that hadn't come up in any of our in any of our uh, social media yet. But yeah, that's that's the other big one is the Iowa High School girls soccer tournament. It's uh, it's the Waukee the Waukee go, go Waukee girls. Who are you guys up against? We are up against uh, Eastern Iowa side Pleasant Valley. Pleasant Valley, is that Eastern Iowa? I thought that was, yeah, oh, whatever. Who now cares? they're right on the river, man. They're they're right on the Mississippi. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good luck. Good luck to the girls and you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. We will see ya. 